have an NDE. I don't know what that is. Uh, a near-death experience. Did you die and come back to life? Research. Just a series of interviews. Chatting with individuals not unlike yourself. What do you believe in? You mean, who do I believe? I don't pick signs. You just kill monsters. Cobra Kai isn't just about karate. It's about a real life. Take that first lesson. Striking first is the initial step towards victory. Hello and welcome to another edition of Peter and Ewan's Netflix podcast. The only podcast you need for everything Netflix, UK and Ireland, presented by two Scottish guys with a love of film and TV, who thankfully are not reviewing the new Michael Bay movie out today. My name is Peter Stewart and I'm joined once again by Ewan Kirkpatrick to talk Netflix for the next hour and a bit. Ewan, how's it going with yourself? Maybe maybe you're disappointed we're not reviewing the new Michael Bay movie, I have to say I was speaking for myself there. I can't even think of the last time I saw a Michael Bay film and uh, enjoyed it. What is what? I don't even know he had a new film. What even is it? Is it a Netflix film? I think it's called Ambulance, and it's out. Oh as yeah, we record this today. That looks crap. I saw the trailer for that. <laughs> um, it's a shame because the cast in it are really good, but man, that looks crap. I am good. It is Friday night. I am off for the weekend. I am not back on shift until Monday. I have had a couple beers. I am raring to go. How are you, Peter? Very good. I'm not. I'm not drinking beer. I'm drinking tea. But um, I mean, there's only ever one of us that if there's one of us drinking when we're recording, it is. It tends to be you. I think personally, I do think it helps you perform to your peak. So I'm not going to. I'm is, not going to tell you off there. This is Peter subtly hitting towards an intervention for me in my alcoholism. Oh no! If anything, I think you should drink more. <laughs> That's a sign of a good friend, right there. <laughs> Yeah, that I, really I goes mean, to... on Michael Bay. No, I was just going to say. Remember, we uh, did Six Underground, and I think that was the last Michael Bay movie that I watched. Possibly the last as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same. And you know what? Talking about the fact that I'm sitting here drinking beer and you're having a cup of tea really goes to show the duality that we have on this podcast. If anything, that should really sum up our character. Um, and I look forward to getting on with this episode because I might crack open another. I just can't. I just can't hack it anymore. I think my your stag and your wedding taught me that. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm done. I'm done. One of our friends. One of our good friends just turned. Just turned. Well, no. One of our good friends just turned twenty nine. Mm-hmm. On the same day that one of our other friends turned twenty eight. But it's the twenty nine. Yeah. That is the scary one. In That's a year, it. we'll be at a thirtieth, <sighs> and it'll be Sunday. From our year at school. <laughs> I know, this is a, it's a, it's a beginning. And one of, a friend of ours has also just become a father as well. So that's, uh, obviously, we, we are now at that point in our lives. So I'm going to enjoy the beers while I can before I get to a point where I'm done with it. I will keep enjoying. Plus, thanks to my, without doxing myself, place of employment, it's free beer. I can't complain. 
I cannot think of a better job for you. I genuinely cannot. Well, I can think of a f- I can think of a few, but they would all involve free beer. <laughs> Quite right. Anyway, let's move from free beer to stuff that is definitely not free. Uh, that is Netflix, <laughs> because we've got a, a I'm a bit of a double whammy of bad news to discuss. I'm afraid, folks. So, first up, something that seems to happen very frequently now. This is another price increase for Netflix. I don't know if it's coming now, I think it might be next month, April, I'm guessing it goes up. So both the basic and standard plans are going up by a pound each, making them 6 99 and 10.99 a month, respectively. The premium subscription is going up by £2, 15.99 a month. So this isn't a massive surprise, I mean, it happens uh, regularly anyway, but a couple of episodes ago we were talking about how the subscriber growth is apparently slowed after the growth during the the pandemic um what did come as a bit more of a surprise is news pretty much coming out at the at the same time this can't have been uh, deliberate on netflix's part they can't have wanted everyone to find out about this stuff at the same time but it's probably no coincidence that it's happening at the same time because Netflix is finally going to start cracking down on subscribers who share passwords with people outside of their household. So it's trialing new features in Chile, Costa Rica and Peru that allow you to add sub-accounts for people in other households and also to transfer profiles to other subscribers. So it's obviously using language like we will allow you to do this, we'll encourage you to uh to get your friends and family to sign up what they're saying is stop giving people your password because apparently as well they are going to start tracking via ip addresses and other technology basically other other devices using the account out with the household trying to identify people using friends and family's accounts <laughs> i mean they're definitely not there was a great article that highlighted the fact that in 2017 the netflix official account tweeted love is sharing a password <laughs> and they're definitely not they're definitely not tweeting that anymore because they're not so happy about it now the news has not been met warmly unsurprisingly although surely surely this was just as inevitable as the price increase. I mean, we were, we've all been doing it for so long. It was just a matter of time. What do you think? See, the price increase doesn't surprise me. In the, I mean, the, the price of everything's going up right now, uh, as I'm sure everyone is quite aware. Um, the password thing, I'm a bit, sh- I'm a bit miffed about because it's kind of like you know, you pay this amount of money for Netflix, right? It's how it's always been. Like, if you pay this, like, what's going to be £16 a month for Netflix, that subscription is a lot of money for just one service, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, there's a lot on there, but it's gone are the days where Netflix was just a five and a month, you know? Um, but th- what's the whole point in having profiles on Netflix if you're not sharing a password for people to watch? At the same time as well, the whole point in paying for these extra packages is so people could watch at the same time. Like, I get that households can be quite big, but how many people are all literally sitting on Netflix at the exact same time in the exact same house? They'd be sitting together watching it, more likely. The chances of someone in the same house, like two or three people in the same house at the same time watching Netflix and watching entirely different things, it just doesn't seem right to me, so... 
the password thing, I don't think they're going to, I don't think there's going to be anything that comes from that, but the price increase is what it is. But all that that is going to encourage at the moment is going to have an opposite effect, I think. It's not going to encourage more people, like a profit margin gain for Netflix. Because some people will just go, well, you know what? It's not hard to download an app on your Fire Stick and use a VPN and write the seven C's of piracy and watch something on a pirated streaming service. Let's be real. It's not that hard. It's 2022. We've been doing it since the good old-fashioned days of LimeWire and Pirate Bay. I think it's just going to encourage more people to just switch off and start using other methods of watching stuff like that. I'm going to play devil's advocate just a little bit because it's in the terms and conditions. It's always been in the terms and conditions. So when you sign up to Netflix and you click, like we all do, agree, you're literally agreeing to that. It's like part of a contract. And it's obviously one of these things that has been, it's obviously been hard to enforce and stuff, but we all should know it. Like we're, we're, we're entering into this like knowing, like technically, like legally, Netflix could just shut your account down for doing this and that would be completely fine. And it's the same way any any service, like I'm starting to think of it as that, but you can't like share your car insurance with somebody else. I mean, you, you kind of can in the sense that you can add drivers onto it and stuff, but like that adds, that, that costs more. Well, when you go to the cinema, when you go to the cinema, it doesn't cost the price of one ticket for two people to go and see a film. It costs the price of two tickets to go and see a film. And these films are being thrown in amongst the ones that are cinematic releases. Look at all these Netflix films that are contending for Oscars this weekend. But and people are getting to watch these literally for free. So how does Netflix keep how does Netflix sustain putting out good, proper, worthy content if it's not if people are uh, consuming it for free? I'm I'm I literally I'm just playing devil's advocate because like everyone else, I've I've done it too. There's Got friends and family who've used who's used my account. <laughs> Somehow it's always me that's getting mooched off. I'm never doing the mooching. There's always others who've been using mine, but um, and there are. I'm pretty sure there is right now. But the the point is that I don't think anyone can really, not really, they can't really complain. People are just people have just got used to this. And to be honest, Netflix it's Netflix's fault. They shouldn't have let it go on this long. They should have cracked down years ago. <laughs> Years ago, when it was like six pounds a month, and then people maybe wouldn't be moaning quite as much. I'll um, I'll be the one to admit that for the last three years, we've been doing this podcast. I have never paid for Netflix. I have been <laughs> there. You go. I have Netflix. been Netflix. I have been mooching off. Yes. <laughs> I have been mooching off Griff for the last three years or so. But in my defence, I pay for Disney Plus that they get to use in their house. I mean, yes, Disney Plus didn't launch until two years ago in the UK, but it was, you know, it's a fair thing. I paid for Amazon Prime for a while as well, and they were using my Prime. So I think all is fair. Um, no, you're right in what they're saying. I just, I don't see it ending well. I do agree 100%. They need the money to keep putting out the amazing content that they do put out. 100% agree with that. I just see it backfiring in some ways, but again, it'll, we'll move on from it because people will just accept it and they'll move on. If I have to finally start using my own Netflix and paying a f- six or seven pound a month, because I'll I'll get the cheapest option because I don't need anyone else to share it. There'll only be one person watching it at one time in my house. 
then so be it. That'll be the way it goes. You know, the other thing is that there will be some out there who are glad of this because they've got exes or maybe not such liked friends and family members who have held on to their passwords or they've yeah or whatever and they're like well thank god that person won't be able to get on my netflix anymore change your password it's not hard (laughs) yeah well we'll see we'll see how this develops we'll see how much it actually does roll out we'll see how much of this is just um kind of rumor and how much of it actually comes to i think we will see some changes i don't know if maybe it won't be quite as drastic as some fear but I think there will be changes coming and they've got to do something because clearly it's not cutting it anymore. We, 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 we talked about this last time. We talked about this stuff that once you get to a certain point, this Netflix subscription model isn't that sustainable really because once you've got a subscription, that's it. You're not going to be a new subscriber again unless you leave and come back, which is just pointless. So they've got to do something and I'm glad I'm not working for Netflix because it seems like catch 22 anyway so more people are going to have to start paying and we're all going to have to start paying a little bit more although actually i should have said i won't because i get mine as part of my sky and it i think it just stays the same so fantastic (laughs) but (laughs) is it still going to be worth what we're paying that's what we're here to find out and ewan let everyone know what we've got coming up on this episode so today's featured review is the movie windfall a new netflix thriller starring lily collins Jesse Plemons and Peter is going to be reviewing. I thought I said add Peter for a second. I was like, Peter wasn't yep, in that's that it. movie. I'm in it. <laughs> um, it also stars Jason Siegel as well. And uh, Peter is going to be going through that review very, very soon. Besides that, we're going to be giving our thoughts on Vikings, Valhalla, The Adam Project, Genius, a Kanye trilogy. Is it cake? Not the trilogy, the TV show, Is It Cake? Pieces of Heart and more. I'll also be giving you my choice for some of the movies that are leaving Netflix soon in our last chance section. And if you want to join in the conversation, you can find us and get in on. T- uh, you can find us and get in touch. I was going to say get in on Twitter for a second. There. You can get in touch on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Unlike Netflix, we're always going to be free. Sometimes we're even cheap as well, depending on where you're taking us. We'll always ask that you give us a like on social media, though. Uh, follow whatever you can, and get your podcast listened to. Give us a nice review, and leave a wee note. Are we? Are we? We won't ask for five stars, you know, we're not perfect, there's always room for improvement. Are we yeah, we do, half? it's got to be five, man. <laughs> Time now to get on with the show, starting with the top ten. This is a feature where we took a look at a recent overall top ten in the UK and we give our thoughts on some of the titles that appear in there. So Ewan, tell us what we have in there, but first I thought we could just recap our kind of last featured review we can we had a little bit of a uh, listener reaction uh, or at least reaction from people we know to uh texas chainsaw massacre i think we were pretty agreed on it but what's your feelings about what other people make on it what's the the temperature in the room on this one well to give everyone an idea and to give a little bit of context i tweeted out saying the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre is effing dreadful and absolutely laughable to it. A 10. The younger sibling of mine tweeted back saying, not even surprised. 
<laughs> I don't know if they've seen it, but we did get a couple of opinions. Uh, Nick Sims, Sims underscore DMH on Twitter replied saying, yeah, it's a frustrating movie to say the least, and I have to agree. Frustrating is the plot we put it. And we got one from Cal Ghost Hunter X on Twitter. Um, I had some entertaining parts in it, but I couldn't help but cringe at most scenes in the film. Like, why are they all just fondling the glass windows on the bus, but trying not to, but not try to attack or even escape? Or when previous victim walked in his room, pointed the gun at his head, just decided to what? Not shoot him after all these years. She had to wait to get the chance to, and all because his leather face doesn't remember her. Everything just didn't seem right. So it does seem that the um, the response of this film is that it was pretty bad. And yeah, you you know it's the it's one of the probably the things that didn't stay in the top ten for very very long. If it wasn't the top ten at all, it came and went. It came out at a funny time of the year as well, and got long live the top ten. I do remember when we first started doing this podcast. I don't think the top ten even existed. It did not. We did we did trending with our feature previously. Exactly. Yeah, and so a lot's changed. I like to say we paved the way for these changes in the last three years <laughs> but let's get on so at number 10 we have the sci-fi epic the adam project the latest the latest film with ryan reynolds and the director sean is it what's the director's name again because they've worked together before sean levy sean levy i thought it was sean levy i didn't want to say levy because i thought that's it that's a different person i think it's levy i'm pretty mm. sure it's levy anyway um who also they, they've done um free guy together which is on disney plus and they're all going to be working together on the new deadpool movie as well uh peter you've seen the adam project it's on my list i will get around and watch this because i could tell this film's right up my street can you confirm that well it would appear that netflix cannot get enough of ryan reynolds i mean we talked about six underground earlier he's been in red notice recently and now this and in this you not only get ryan reynolds doing the ryan reynolds thing but you also get a 12-year-old version of Ryan Reynolds' character who spends most of his time on screen interacting with Ryan Reynolds. So, yeah, it is how much more Ryan Reynolds could it be? None more Ryan Reynolds could it be? So this is the latest big-budget Netflix film. It was acquired from Paramount, apparently for a lot of money. And apparently with Tom Cruise swapped out for Reynolds. Apparently Tom Cruise was lined up to the, play the main role at one point. And it is, it is in many ways, unsurprisingly, a big, derivative, very familiar, family-friendly sci-fi story. But I'm going to be honest, in other ways, it is also a great big, irresistible bundle of much-needed fun, when you, especially when you consider everything that's going on in the world. It's directed by Sean Levy, as we said, like you said, on Free Guy with Reynolds before. And the, the plot is actually pretty head-spinning, although that doesn't really matter. It's basically middle-aged Reynolds as Adam, comes back from the year 2050, where time travel has been made possible. His goal is to reach 2018, for reasons that are explained later, but he ends up just off target. He lands in 2022, right next to his childhood home, where he meets himself as a child, played by Walker Scoble. We go on to learn that Adam was looking for his wife, played by Zoe Saldana, and she'd also gone back in time. And they're both going up against Catherine Keener's evil tech boss, basically Reynolds' boss. And to do that, old Adam needs to reconnect with his father, who's dead in the present, but not in 2018, and he's played by Mark Ruffalo. And there's a bullying subplot and a bunch of other stuff that doesn't really matter. Because all you really need to know is that there is more than enough really great laughs in this to make it well worth your while. 
the vast majority come from that interplay between Reynolds and Scoble. And yes, he is a convincing young Ryan Reynolds, but it's it's not just an imitation. Like he's got his own distinct comedic sense, brilliant delivery, and as there's no question that he is going to be a massive star. This has obviously made him a star already. It's been a long time since I laughed this much at a movie, and I was no one was more surprised about that than me. And once I started laughing, I started enjoying all of it. My my head was spinning at the time travel stuff. I mean, not really in a good way either. It's not like this is a brilliantly written film. It's not like Looper or Inception or something. It's it's not the most neat of plots, but I forgave it for all of that because no matter how silly the plot got, I was still laughing, still having fun. It looks pretty too, you know. It's not it's not got groundbreaking digital effects, but it's it looks polished. It's clearly got a pretty big budget. I'm not sure what it, the budget is off the top of my head. There's a very pretty house, the kind that no one actually has. We'll come back to that theme on this episode a bit later on. It's uh, packed with a ton of references to it. I mean, you look at the poster for this and it's clearly a Star Wars parody. And in the film too, there's just tons and tons of Star Wars references. It's like Levy's living out a boyhood fantasy. Um, to that I would say, why don't you just wait till your turn comes round for Star Wars? Because there's enough Star Wars movies. At some point, you're going to get a chance to direct one. Uh, There's also Back to the Future in there, as you might expect. There's nods to previous Reynolds movies. I really enjoyed this, and I was very surprised about that. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. You you will enjoy this. It is right up your street, and I defy anyone to watch it, whether or not this stuff is your kind of thing, and not barely laugh at least five or six times because The Adam Project is, you know what, actually pretty good. There we go. I've heard nothing but good things about the Adam Project, but I already have a complaint because clearly affording Ryan Reynolds for all these projects is the reason why the Netflix subscription price is going up. (laughs) (laughs) You always hear, you know, that um, I think that a third of the budget for Red Notice or something like that went to paying The Rock, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot or something. So it was (laughs) like not a surprise, but... Uh, I, I, it's on the list. We might end up watching it this weekend, to be honest. Uh, maybe a very hungover Sunday Sunday film. Um, that is yeah, watch it. 10 in our top 10. Uh, and number nine, Inventing Anna. We've spoken about this on the podcast before. Still clinging on to the um, the top 10 there. And number eight, Human Resources, the spin-off for the animated show Big Mouth, now in the top 10 as well. And number seven, we have Formula One Drive to Survive. You know, I'll talk a little second about this only because I haven't watched it's a it. a new season out, isn't it? Yeah, um, I haven't watched it. Never really been big on the Formula One. Grew up watching quite a bit of Formula One because my dad loves it. I saw a little bit of this show on Gogglebox, okay? And this must be what you keep talking about with sport documentaries. Because something about it the drama that it like shows you, the side that you don't see when you're watching the sport. I was kind of like, oh, hold on. This is because it was all about the whole thing I watched was about uh, the rivalry between uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, is it Max Verstappen. I think his name is um, their rivalry and stuff and a dramatic race between them. And I was like, my God, this is like watching a film. I love it. So I don't know. I might end up dipping my toes into this, but, For now, Formula One is at number seven with Drive to Survive. At number six, we have Bad Vegan, Fame, Fraud and Fugitives. That's quite hard. What a title. (laughs) I know. Um, I don't think there's such a thing as a bad vegan, but clearly there is. Uh, I'm not vegan personally, but 
you know what I'm getting at. At number five, we have Pieces of Her. Again, something else Peter decided to watch because he's a good boy when it comes to this podcast and actually watches stuff that's on Netflix. Doesn't leave things to the last <laughs> second and realises he hasn't watched anything. Peter, Who's pieces... that? Who are you talking about there? I couldn't. I don't know. I don't know. Someone <laughs> else that does this podcast, clearly. Um, pieces of Her, tell me all about it. Well, this is the Netflix thriller series of the month. Uh, it's also the Netflix book adaptation of the month. Uh, this time, the 2018 novel of the same name by Karen Slaughter. What a name for a crime writer. Oh, uh, it's I know, spelled eh? that way as well. Karen, I don't know if it's, she's changed it or what the story is there, but amazing. So the marquee star here is clearly Tony Collette. She plays a woman called Laura. But the story is told through the eyes of her daughter, Andy, played by Bella Heathcote, who is, we meet near the start, She's at lunch uh, on her birthday in a diner with her mother, played by Tony Collette, when this shocking and completely out of the blue act of violence occurs, a shooting in public. Andy is employed by the police. She's in her uniform when it takes place, but she can't really do anything about it. She only works as a, a dispatcher. She's not got a gun on her or anything like that. But... No bother, because it turns out that the older woman, her mother, takes control of the situation. She confronts the shooter. She acts in a way that is that suggests she has experience or training in this situation. And she responds with her own, her own kind of violence that is shocking in its own right. And it's the kind of response that is filmed on a phone, obviously, being the age we're in, and that goes on the news. And she works at a veterans affairs centre, but she's asked, when she's asked if she's got military experience, she says no. There's something going on beneath the surface of her character. Who is she? Why does Andy not know any of this about her before? And she's spooked. She becomes even more so when more stuff starts to happen after the st- stuff hits the news. Dangerous men start showing up at the house. Someone seems to want her mum dead. Her mum tells the daughter to leave. And when she does that, she finds other remnants of the past, an old car, a gun, fake IDs, fragmented memories niggle at her. And it seems clear that the pieces of her in the title refer to bits of the puzzle that is Tony Collette's character. So, that, I mean, this is okay. I've, I've only watched two of the eight episodes. First episode, strong, I have to say. That opening diner scene is certainly memorable. Nothing else I've seen in the second episode has matched that. I mean, I can see it really settling into very familiar thriller territory. Some of the beats it hits are so familiar and tired feeling, I have to say that my interest was starting to wane a bit by the end of episode two. There's, You can imagine it, the flashbacks that slowly get longer, like seen by a man, a, fa- a man where you can't see his face, he's in a suit, he's on a phone saying, it's her, or something like that as he looks out over the sea. Central cast members, they're certainly watchable. Tony Collette, I mean, she does characters who have are more than meet. There's more to them than meets meets the eye. She does that extremely well, and she does have that range where she could easily be a suburban mum and a trained assassin at the same time. And Bella Heathcote's really good too. If you've seen a TV adaptation of a thriller novel, you've pretty much seen everything in this. If you're a big fan of this stuff, you'll probably enjoy this. You'll probably watch it all. If you're a bit more selective in which thrillers you really get into, like me, you'll probably think this is very average. There's a really smart use of some Foo Fighters in episode one that I enjoyed very much, but I'm not going to be watching more of this, I don't think. It's not bad, it's decent, but it's nothing special, and when it's gone from the top ten, 
I don't think many people are going to remember it. You know, I've got that on my list. I remember adding it to my list because I saw the trailer. I saw Tony Collette and thought, oh, hey, Tony Collette, she's amazing. Um, it also really reminded me of the film um, A History of Violence with Viggo Mortensen, which if you haven't seen, it's got a very similar kind of sound and plot. Um, very, very good film. Worth watching that. So, Peace of Heart. Only two episodes in. Will Peter finish it? I guess we'll find out next time. And will it still be in the top 10 by that point? Probably not, because we all know how rapidly changing this is. At number four is Taboo, the BBC drama starring Tom Hardy, created by the same people that created Peaky Blinders. And of course, with Peaky Blinders drawing to a close in the next week, then uh, people are obviously looking for that fix whilst they wait for the season to be uploaded to Netflix if they're not already watching it week to week on the BBC. I reckon that's why it suddenly shot to popularity because I don't, th- I think this has been on Netflix before. I don't think this is its first outing on Netflix. If it, if it's come back, but we'll see how Taboo does. At number three is the Netflix original, The Last Kingdom, uh, another Viking TV show, but not the one we'll be focusing on today. I believe this show is also drawing to its close. It's had major popularity since it's come out, and I somehow haven't watched it. Don't know why. Just haven't. Maybe because it's not quite Vikings, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. At number two, the latest trash game show from Netflix. Is it Cake? Wait, is this our featured review? (laughs) (laughs) Thank God it isn't. Um, So people might remember, you know, during lockdown, it's been two years since uh, the UK went into lockdown. Um, two years almost to the day I think it was two years ago, a couple of days ago that we went into lockdown and one of the big trends that happened during lockdown is people were baking lots people were making mostly banana bread or banana loaf depending on where you come from and something people were doing were making hyper realistic cakes now that trend died quite a while ago but here comes Netflix milking that cash cow and creating a whole TV show based out of making cakes that look like realistic items. So I decided to take one for the team and I watched a couple episodes of this game show and I hated the fact that I actually enjoyed what I watched because you're getting exactly what you sign up for. It doesn't hide what it is and I think... I appreciate that. You get a bunch of, basically the premise of the game show is you get a bunch of super talented bakers um, who then compete against each other to try and fool celebrities into thinking, you know, they're, they're, the cake they've baked is the real item. Um, and you do see some stuff and you go, right, hold on now, what one is actually the cake? Like, it, it's pretty good. Um, but they do a very good thing in the game show where they don't allow the celebrities to get a close look because then as soon as you get that close-up shot in the camera, you're like, ah, that is cake. <laughs> and <laughs> thus, <laughs> the question is answered. <laughs> Each episode, the contestants compete for up to $10,000. So it's a lot of money just to make a nice sponge, isn't it? I hope to God this is just a one-off adventure for Netflix. It's number two in the top ten. So clearly people are also satiating their their lust for the baked goods while the Great British Bake Off is on its annual hiatus while waiting for the next season. And of course we don't have another season of Nailed It, which is basically, you know what? Nailed It, which is another Netflix baking show. 
I think they used the same set because I was watching it going, the set looks awfully familiar. <laughs> it's basically the polar opposite of Nailed It, where Nailed It is people are trash at baking. <laughs> is it cake is the top tier. And that's just the icing on the cake, isn't it? No, I'll... Oh, oh, oh mic drop. <laughs> oh. oh, man. I was going to try oh, and make I really a... hope that you planned that. That was excellent. I was trying. I didn't. I was thinking on the fly of trying to make a, a cake pun involving <laughs> tears and wedding cakes, but I just went with what that with that instead. But um, is it cake? No. Is not number two. Shakespeare asked to be or not to be. <laughs> Generation Z asked, is it cake? You know to- what? I saw this and I, I thought that um, that looks like it's probably so stupid that it's good. And it, it made me think straight away, that looks like a mix of Bake Off and The Masked Singer. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it found a way to merge those shows. But anyway. I mean, it, it knows what it is. The first episode, the guy literally brings out a sword and goes, okay, I'm cutting cakes with this. <laughs> One of the sections in the show is the last right. So when when the when the winner is there, and this is the person that's fooled the celebrities. Aha! You couldn't guess my cake. This person's brought forth to then guess is it cake, and he's presented with a bag of cash and a cake, and they both look identical. He's just got to guess which one's the cake, <laughs> and you're just like, yes. wow, this is yes, what life is. This is entertainment, and of course, the celebrities get to eat a bit of the cake too. Because of course, what's the point in I making a cake? So. Yeah. If it, you know, what's the point in making a cake if it doesn't taste good? Um, but that I've spent way too long speaking about this show that I intended to. That is, is it cake on number two <laughs> on the top ten, and at number one in the top spot is the Top Boy, because the new season of that has been released. I've never watched Top Boy. I have no idea what Top Boy is about, but I do see a lot of buzz about it on social media. Um. So I know it's a very, very popular show and it's right where it belongs in the number one spot. Well, I watched some of Top Boy when it came back to Netflix and talked about it a little bit. I hadn't watched the like original version when it was, I mean, that got rebranded Top Boy Summerhouse, I think, when it came on to Netflix. And of course, Drake famously helped to bring it back for Netflix and it's very... Um, acclaimed and stuff I, I heard it compared to the I, I heard it said to be kind of like the British version of The Wire recently which I've actually and I've actually started watching The Wire I've watched two seasons of The Wire that's what I've been doing over the last month and wow it is something have you ever seen any of The Wire nope I just keep hearing people talking about The Wire <laughs> well it's one of those shows it gets gets mentioned in the same breath as like the Sopranos and Breaking Bad for one of the best shows ever. So I thought, right, I'm going to check this out. It's on Skybox sets. I'm going to give it a go. And I'm two seasons in and it's getting better and better. So we'll talk much more about that, seeing as it's not on Netflix. But if it ever arrives on Netflix, then you better believe I'll be talking about it. So that was the top 10 as it looked shortly after Windfall came out. And I'm not sure if Windfall ever actually got in there which is interesting in itself. But let's get into that a little bit more um, next in the main review. So I think plenty of us would agree that 2022 hasn't been much improvement over the last couple of years. 
And uh, it's not off to a great start for our featured reviews either. Last time, neither of us enjoyed the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre very much. So is Windfall any better? And what's it about, Peter? Take it away. Well, this is a strange little film, uh, co-written by Andrew Kevin Walker, which in itself is a strange connection when you consider that he's best known for writing Seven. Uh, also writing is Justin Lader and director Charlie McDowell, who also brought us the 2017 Netflix film The Discovery and 2014's The One I Love. I haven't seen either of those, although The One I Love is described as a comedy thriller, which kind of also describes Windfall. This was acquired by Netflix by for a considerable amount of money last year and it was a lockdown project both in conception and shooting and production. So after the opening in which we, we see the exterior of a beautiful secluded house, you get these big Hitchcockian titles, you know, windfall, as if you're in any doubt the kind of film and the kind of references that you're going to get as it goes on, that clears it up for you. I mean, we get a bit of a subversion on what you might expect the setup to be. So the very basic premise is that a billionaire tech CEO and his wife arrive at their holiday home to find that it's being robbed by Jason Siegel, or at least Jason Siegel's character. <laughs> we, we, that would be great if it actually was just I'm, Jason Siegel. That's be, what I'm laughing at right now, the thought that, of it. It's actually Jason Siegel who's not <laughs> acting. Now, that would be an interesting movie. <laughs> But we meet we meet the Jason Siegel character first, not not the not the people who are getting robbed, but the, the the robber, the Siegel character first, as he skulks around the house without any real urgency, and then Jesse Plemons and Lily Collins arrive as the husband and wife. He Plemons Plemons' character completely horrible. I mean, he's summed up by this awful outburst about how hard it is being a rich white man. I mean, she's more enigmatic. She's got this kind of air of sadness about her she looks bored even when her house has been invaded she doesn't seem a whole lot more enamored with her husband than than we are something something's definitely something's going on under the surface but anyway what what now in terms of the the robbery so the the robber seagull's character demands money from the couple but then they both suggest that he needs more than what he initially asked for in order to make himself disappear and to live a comfortable life. The CEO phones up his personal assistant and it turns out that the cash can't arrive until the next day, forcing the three characters into their own little, very odd lockdown. This guy breaks into my house. Holy! And he just sit down on the couch. Okay, but how about you, you let go of my wife first? And I've had to hold his hand. How does this open? Is there a trick to the purse? No. There's a clasp. And help him rob us. I want $150,000. You think that's enough? Yeah, I think you're probably going to want more than that. I can get you the money tomorrow. What? What? Me. I owe you something, right? You owe a debt to a hell of a lot more people than just me. The first thing that struck me about Windfall is how just strange the tone is. I mean, when you describe the setup, you could be getting a full-on suspenseful popcorn thriller, but it's very low on suspense. I mean, you get a fair bit of conversation with a point instead. I mean, Malcolm Marie, Malcolm and Marie kind of came to mind. That film 
the Sam Levinson film from another kind of lockdowny project. But that I mean, that that was a terrible film. This is so much better than that. But it did. There was elements of the, that that came to mind. So you get plenty of time to try and figure out the CEO character, this wife character, the, those characters in particular. So that actually makes the initial introduction of the robber. I mean, he's actually the Siegel character is just credited as nobody. CEO character is just credited as CEO, and the wife character is just credited as wife. But the the CEO and wife character are definitely the more important thing. So the fact that we get introduced to Siegel's character first is kind of puzzling. One of the things that does work in the film is the way that the role shifts. So at first, the robber seems like he might actually be dangerous, and you kind of you kind of do feel a little bit sorry for both of the victims. I mean, they're 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 getting robbed after all by a guy who's threatening them. But then, both of them, and especially the Plemons character, they they kind of become not the victims. I mean, they they kind of manage to oppress the invader. They, they make him feel small. They make him feel like he's below them on the social scale, whether deliberately or not. And then something else creeps in, that this oppression almost becomes, you almost don't know it's happening, but it kind of becomes a gender-based thing. I mean, it kind of shifts from them versus him to something more subjective. Some, that Definitely a shift happens at a certain point in the film. There's this idea that selling people's data as the head of a tech company, I mean, the guy is clearly Zuckerberg in all but name, the guy, that's, the idea that selling people's data isn't any better than literally stealing from people, that's not that subtle. What is subtle in the film is that the, the way it kind of almost unnoticeably shifts to take on this genuinely interesting topic of how male entitlement, toxic masculinity exists right up and down the scale, you know, right from the CEOs of the world to the quote-unquote nobodies of the world and how no amount of money or lack of it changes that. Having said that, I'd, I'd, I think there are plenty of ways the film doesn't work. I mean, I, I did find the pacing to be problematic. I mean, we get to this point, this bonfire scene, where I was just begging for something to happen, like the bonfire to blow up or just just, some, just anything to make it exciting. And admittedly, eventually that does happen. And at the end, there, there is a double whammy of kind of... I mean, you, 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 we'll get to your thoughts in a bit. You... you thought it was quite un- quite predictable there's a there's a kind of gut punch at the end a double gut punch where I went well really that that's what that's where we're at I genuinely didn't see that coming but I think it it does feel like a chore of a watch for a long period of the film especially when it is nominally a thriller there are, there are these weird attempts at humor as well I mean, at times I wasn't sure if I was meant to be laughing at one point I laughed and then I realised I probably shouldn't have been and then at other times I wished it would just stop trying to be funny. I mean, the tone is so odd. I mean, I think some of that is deliberate, at least in the way no one seems to like they're really being robbed. No one seems to be like they're really kept, like they're really being kept hostage. No one seems to be like they're doing the robbing or the hostage taking. I mean, I think that's only really clear once all the cards are played. Though. I think you only really get a sense of that right at the end. Until then, I was just like, this is so weird. Like, what is what is this? Aside from that, the performances are good. You would expect that of a cast of this calibre. I actually think Jason Segel is probably the outstanding one, even when you consider he's probably the least A-list of all three. And how you consider the character is definitely... He's given no backstory, very deliberately. 
and he's the least important of the three characters, I think. I wasn't sure about the score by Danny Bensey and Sonder Girians at first. It's very, very active score, very front and centre. But I actually think I liked it overall because when things are getting a bit boring at times, it makes it a little bit more interesting. It's pretty much a three-hander. There's one very, very secondary character comes in briefly, but it's basically a three-hander. It does feel like it could be a stage play. Be interested to hear your thoughts on that as well, considering that you've your involvement in theatre writing and stuff. I did wonder if it'd be less odd on stage as well. I think I wondered if that was maybe a reason for why it felt so odd. I I think there'd be I think on stage there would be less sense that more action and suspense would be needed. It's very strange. This is such a strange. I can't I can't say that I enjoyed it hugely while I was watching it. But I kind of have enjoyed thinking about it afterwards. I did enjoy the sheer abrupt shock, at least to me, of the ending. Although even that feels like it might work better on stage. And think about different definitions of windfall as well. I wish I'd actually loaded them up to hand. Basically, one of them is the, the one of them that's actually been in the news recently with all the stuff that money in the world and the issues with money in the world just now is windfall profits. So obviously that's referencing the CEO and all the money he's made and stuff. But there's another there's another kind of definition to it that's like an unexpected gain, a, a kind of piece of a stroke of good luck, a kind of just something that you didn't, a kind of unexpected silver silver lining. And I think there is something in that as it pertains to understanding what the film's trying to do. So that's kind of my thoughts on Windfall. What did you make of it, Ewan? You know, I um, I do think it could work as a stage play for one. Uh, chop a few things here and there. It could definitely be that. Um, I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it for what it is. I didn't I didn't think it was anything special. I just enjoyed it. It was like a, a three-piece kind of thriller. Now, I find it funny that you thought there were some bits at the end that were unexpected, where I kind of saw everything coming from a mile off, I felt. Um, we're you know, there's obviously a very big, blatantly obvious check couple, blatantly obvious check off gun moments that you just know, okay, right, I can see where this is going to go, and keeping that in mind is where I kind of think I drew my conclusions from, in terms of where the story was going to go and the way some dialogue's gone because obviously, nothing in this film was said without it having a purpose at all, nothing was thrown away, um, but it is just nothing great but i will say this jesse plemons is phenomenal at playing scumbags like oh yeah, every, oh, yeah. everything he seems to be in he's just insufferable and that's the side of a good actor because i am sure mr plemons is a lovely person he, he, he gives me an air that he's a lovely person but on screen he's just insufferable because everyone he plays is just oh like i'm just thinking about like i'm thinking of ending things or um even is in his episode of Black Mirror that he was in, mm-hmm. he's just yeah. The character in Black Mirror is actually quite kind of similar to this one, kind mm-hmm. of. He's just insufferable, but it was it was a good performance from the actors all round. But this film, I would say, it's just it's eh. it's not the worst we've reviewed, but it's not the best either. Uh, far from it. A solid three and a half out of five for me is how I'd is how I'd rate it. Six out of ten. Just slightly above average. 
but only slightly. I agree completely. It's just such a such a strange film in so many ways. You know, <laughs> going back to Jesse Plemons, he's in so much stuff on Netflix that I think it's a matter of time before we get his Adam project, where we get two of him on screen. They find a way to get a second Jesse Plemons in the film. But... um. Played by Matt maybe Damon. It quite, maybe it wouldn't be quite as much fun as <laughs> as the Ryan Reynolds one. Yeah, strange, an odd film. I I would say that it's a little bit better than the two previous featured reviews we've had this year so far. So let's hope the trend continues and we keep getting um we get get better as twenty twenty two continues. Right. So I am very conflicted about how I feel about Windfall. So I'd love to hear what others made of it. I mean, hit us up with your thoughts. For now, though, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about what else we've been watching in what we've been watching. So, it is that time, that crucial time where I ask Peter, is it cake? <laughs> yes, Peter, it is. What have, what have you been watching? Well, I have watched Genius, a Kanye trilogy. So no one needs to hear me introduce Kanye West, a.k.a. Ye, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. one of the most controversial and fascinating celebrities of 21st century. He was originally a producer of beats for other rappers, forged his career as an artist in his own right in the early 2000s, and he's gone on to become, unquestionably, not only one of the, the most acclaimed hip-hop artists of the century, but one of the most acclaimed musical artists of the 21st century, full stop. Again, no one needs to tell me, no one needs to hear me tell them about the contrast between his genius and his other side, the side that brought us the Taylor Swift speech episode, the failed marriage to Kim Kardashian, the presidential run, and even as we speak, his troubling behaviour is back in the news, rearing its head again. I mean, the story could fill three seasons of documentary but here incredibly it's all been crammed down into three feature length episodes that came out over three weeks uh, between February and March so this has been shot since the beginning right since the beginning by a couple of filmmakers the most prominent of which in this is a guy called Kudi who has shot a couple of Kanye's videos, including Jesus Walks, one of his biggest early songs. I've seen some stuff saying that this is for the fans, but I'm I'm actually going to disagree with that. First off, let me just ask what what is your what is your like thoughts on Kanye, basically? I couldn't give a, a toss about him to be perfectly honest. Um, he's just uh someone that's got too much money. In too much time, in my opinion. I mean, I won't say, like his music. I get it, you know, it, for what he does. I know he's got a following for a reason. His music is good in the genre that he does music in. Even I have heard a few Kanye songs, and you know me, I am goth through and through. You know, I don't listen to. It's very, very, very little hip hop and R and B that I listen to, but some Kanye songs I have heard and thought this is a damn good song. Um. Like, I love Daft Punk, for example. So when he did remix Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, I enjoyed what I heard. 
Um, gold digger. I mean, everyone gets turned when that comes on in a club. Uh, Black Skinhead as well. Those are some really, like songs I've heard that I go, I actually like this. But as an individual, as a person, not a fan of uh, Kanye, um, of who he is um, and what his ego has become. Uh, and I think the best thing that's ever happened to Kanye is the South Park episode about fish sticks. Right, well, my thoughts on Kanye, certainly before seeing Genius, were very similar to you, I have to say. But I've seen I've seen some stuff about this, saying it's very much for the fans, but I'm going to disagree with that. I mean, I have no doubt that fans of him will get plenty out of it, but I am not a fan. I, I was not a fan, have never really been a fan. I'm not, not even just the music. Like you, like some of the tracks you've mentioned really like some of those tracks and stuff and I appreciate that he is supremely, always appreciated that he is supremely talented but I don't listen to him regularly and more importantly, I didn't know a bunch of stuff about the way that the the journey that he's taken for example, I didn't know that he was in a near fatal car crash near the start of his career I didn't know that his mother had died quite early on in his career I didn't know all of the artists that he's been associated with right from the beginning. And it's all of this extra stuff that means that Genius has genuinely changed my perception of the man. I mean, it is staggering to see the difference of in him before his mother Donda's death and, and after. I think she passed away in 2007 or eight. He's always been extremely cocky, but in the early days... In the footage here, he comes across as likably so, and justifiably so, because you get to watch these unbelievable scenes of people like massive artists, who certainly go on to become massive artists like Pharrell Williams. I mean, they hear his stuff, the early stuff, and they're just absolutely gobsmacked by how good it is. I mean, even the the non-educated like me, like and like you, can appreciate the genius of Kanye in a musical sense and it really helps when you see people react like this just people like Pharrell they hear uh, Through the Wire for the first time and he just walks out the room he's like no way he's like that is just genius and it it is you you do get that sense when you're watching this that the stuff he's creating is truly genius and one of the and that's actually one of the things that remains right to the end even once he's once you see him become that totally different person you still get the sense that he's got the drive to create more groundbreaking music. There's a really interesting and kind of surprising element to the documentary that brings one of the filmmakers, Cudi, who I mentioned before, kind of into the story. And he narrates it in this brilliant way. You kind of see how close Kanye and Cudi were in the early days, but then post Donda's death, that does change. Years go by, like literally about six years go by when there's no footage of Kanye because he doesn't want anything to do with Kudi. But then there's this twist in the narrative and suddenly we're back to being the fly on the wall again. It's amazing how unpolished the whole thing feels. Considering this is about literally one of the most famous people in the world. And it feels like somebody... (laughs) Somebody replied to me on Twitter saying that it feels like a high school rock doc thing. That is spot on. It feels like it has been shot by high school kids messing about on a on a camcorder in the like 
back in the certainly the early stuff back in the back in the nineties. And you you really do get the sense that no other celebrity of this magnitude would allow something like this to go out. In fact, Kanye's come out on Instagram and stuff, and where he's now been blocked, by the way, or at least he was for a time. He came out and said that he um he wanted to have a say and that he was gonna he was gonna get Netflix to take it down and stuff like that. Even though apparently um there was like not enough I don't know I don't know the whole story exactly, but it just it didn't make any it didn't make any sense. He's he'd already okayed it or something like that. I mean I couldn't believe how much I got out of this. Like I expected to see Kanye praised in a way, like the kind of the last dance Michael Jack Michael Jordan type thing where it was just all like all controlled and all like curated and all just but it's not like that at all. I mean, it's so raw and so unpolished and so real, and you really do get a sense of a, a man who's had something ripped away from him, with the death of his mother, and you do you you do start to feel sorry for him, because, I mean, I mean to say you feel sorry for Kanye's almost become a cliche. You see this stuff come out, and you're like, well, he's got mental health issues. The guy needs help. That might well be true, but how many people saying stuff like that genuinely feel a sympathy for? I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I'm having watched this. I'm now like on a higher plane, and somehow I've come had this epiphany. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm I'm reckoning that most people don't really feel sorry for him. I think this helps you get a sense of who he really was, who he really what, who he really is, and who he has been, what he's been through. I think this is really something. I mean, it's it's well, well, well worth a watch for Kanye fans or otherwise. I mean, whether or not Kanye is genius is one thing, but in my opinion, you could actually say this. Genius is genius. Very, very good. Well, it's... It makes you wonder, because, like, as you mentioned about, like, all the stuff that Kanye's kind of going through right now um obviously it's kind of come, become a bit of a meme with what's going on with pete davidson and his life and everything as well um can you if you're listening to this get yourself some help man Sounds yeah like it's you. amazing it's amazing to think that this has come out it's almost like it was planned i mean I, I, somebody more cynical might say well this has clearly been planned it's not there's no question that the people that have made this documentary are just not really that close to him anymore like they're not really they don't they're not bothered about this mm-hmm. they, like they don't have a stake in it type thing in the sense that they need it can you to come out of it looking good he just does especially in the early days just by being caught in such a candid way on camera in this way but it's like you say it's crazy that all the pete davidson stuff is happening at the same time that this has come out they're probably the Guys that made this are probably th- rubbing their hands together, being like, this is definitely getting the viewership up type thing. Were you going to say something else? I was going to say something yeah, about uh, Pete Davidson, because, you know, they say that funny gets the fanny, and Pete Davidson definitely proves it, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's been the most emphatic thing, <laughs> emphatic lesson we can learn out of that. Anyway... Back to you. What have you been watching, you? And I think we all know what you've been watching, and it's not <laughs> is it cake? Not just is it cake? Now, people who know me will know that uh, the History Channel show Vikings, which is available on Amazon, um, 
is probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And when I say of all time, I do mean like I would probably call it my second, maybe top favorite TV show. I love it. It's, oh my God, it's brilliant. So when I heard that Netflix was doing the spinoff and I could talk about it on this podcast, oh, my nipples were hard. So Vikings Valhalla is set just over a hundred years or so after the events of the original TV show Vikings. So all of our beloved characters are gone and dead and faded into legend. But when legends die, new legends arise. And this follows the story of a Viking known to history. And that Viking is Leif Erikson, who is in history rumored to be, like, I don't know the ins and outs of the actual historical accuracy, but the first Viking to set foot in what is now known as the United States of America. So... That's, you know, people might know the Spongebob Happy Leif Erikson Day. Leif Erikson Day is a real thing uh, in the States. Um, he is, Leif is played by Sam Corlett. It's an amazing job. Um, this is what I'll talk about. You can't not compare it to the original show. Obviously, you see some very familiar settings in the, the return of the, the basically the main city, Kattegat and Uppsala, places like that. And of course, merry old England, Saxon England makes a comeback as well. Now, obviously, liberties are taken with the historical accuracy. Um, always will be with these kind of shows. But you don't watch it to learn. You watch Vikings for exactly that. The fighting and the blood and the sexiness and um, just the political drama. There's a lot of political drama in these shows as well. But we almost have like a new trilogy. This is what I like about this uh, show. In the original Vikings, you had the story of um, Ragnar Lothbrok. He was basically the main character. And then it was the sons of Ragnar, mainly um, his sons, such as uh, Bjorn Ironside. Um, And then obviously the other sons that came along after. I don't want to go into too much. But this has like three main characters all tied together. Freydis, Leif and Harald. Who um and how their stories intertwine, um and how it paves the way for a new era of the Viking, um, it's a lot about things coming to an end because when you watch the original show, there's a lot of talks about you know the old ways the following the gods such as like Odin, or the old you know the Norse gods Odin, Thor, Loki, uh, Freya, everything like that, but Christianity obviously being a very big thing, uh, coming into. Uh, the north people the, the northmen's lives because of when they went to england and uh met christians in the world of vikings valhalla a lot of uh a lot of the danes have converted to christianity a lot of them but they're still vikings as well so it's interesting to learn that's how history went as well um you can't help but think though it's missing something and it's missing that spark that I think the original cast from the show gave it. But it's been renewed for two further seasons. And sign me up because I did enjoy what I watched. And my only complaint really for Vikings Valhalla is it was too damn short. The show ended and I was like, no. When that season ended, I was like, nah, I need another episode right now. It left me hungry for more. And I think fans of the original... um 
and the fans of the original show will uh, be very, very happy. Now, it's quite interesting because the, the IMDb plot summarises saying that it's the adventures of Leif Erikson, Freydis, Harold and the Norman King William the Conqueror. This is set about 100 years before William the Conqueror came about. So, well, maybe not 100 years, but like a good few years before William the Conqueror. So <laughs> they're really going to be taking liberties with that. But they, they kind of set that up because they talk a lot about the Normans and stuff uh, as well. But everyone in it is brilliant. You know, you get some really insufferable characters. You get some really enjoyable characters. Plenty of violence, plenty of fighting. Everything that made the original show great. Um, and I'm so glad it's back for more. Um, and I can't wait to see. I hope we don't have to wait two or three years between seasons like we do with Netflix shows these days. Um, but I am definitely, definitely waiting with bated breath for more. Um, and I've noticed with it that its ratings, its like reviews, has been getting more positively received as it's sitting there. So it's not in the it's not the Viking show in the top ten that belongs to the the uh, the Last Kingdom, which is a Vi- uh, another Netflix original Viking show. But believe me, get it watched. We're going to see more of it, especially when those later seasons come out as well. You never you never watched. I, th- I think Taylor did, but you didn't watch Vikings, did you? I think Taylor has. I have not. No. He's like, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's it's mad to think it came from the History Channel, the same channel that brings us uh, American pickers and uh, storage wars and pawn stars and things like that. <laughs> um, it's, it's damn good. And it will definitely, if you're looking for just some violent political drama set, in 11th century um, Scandinavia, definitely want to give you a watch. But Peter, I have to ask you, other than learning all about Kanye West's life, what else have you been watching? Well, I've been watching a crazy film called The Trip. This is from, this was recommended to me by our good good friend of the podcast and um, sometime digital artist for the podcast, Graham. He recommended this to me, and it is crazy. So this is from Norwegian director Tommy Vercola. Begins with a couple going on a hiking trip to a family cabin. He's a TV director who's unsatisfied with his career working on kind of shallow soap operas, and is played by Axel Henney. She's an actress struggling to find work. She's played by Numi Rapace, who was so brilliant in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the, the original Swedish Girl with the Dragon Tattoo trilogy. And he makes a point of telling everyone that they're going away on this this trip and it's going to be very dangerous, like so dangerous someone could die. And then on the way home, he stops by the hardware store and picks up basically anything you would need to commit murder. <laughs> the incessant bickering on the drive to the cabin is the kind of thing that, that all married couples might have, but his resentment for her clearly goes deeper. And it's no secret that he's planning to use the trip to murder his wife, Lisa. And I know this sounds exceptionally dark. It is a comedy. It's a black comedy. So it comes to the moment when he's going to do the deed. He sneaks up behind her with a hammer in the cabin. And she turns around and teases him in the neck. So he wakes up and we find out, she tells him, we find out that not only did she see it coming, but that she had come to the cabin planning to knock him off as well. So from here, I mean, the film could have become a Scandinavian dark comedy version of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. But all I'm going to say 
is that in fact this is just the beginning of things descending into complete mayhem featuring a bunch of other characters and plenty nutty twists and loads and loads of gore. I mean there are reviews out there that say more than this and I actually think the trailer goes into more than this but I won't because the less you know the better. I think if I'd known more about where it goes from there I would have enjoyed it a bit less. I mean it's completely dependent on the wild reveals having maximum impact um, and when they when they do you get these kind of sequences we've all seen them like you know one day earlier or two weeks before or whatever it's a mix of laughs and gas you <laughs> the um, the it's always sunny things like i'm going for gas not laughs but it's a mix of laughs and gas and every time you're laughing you're wondering if you should be gasping and vice versa. I don't think the intended laughs always hit the mark but it is funny enough as a black comedy. It does not hold back on the gore. It's impressively nasty actually. More so than the early tone lets on. We talked about Chekhov's guns earlier. I mean this is Chekhov's guns. This is Chekhov's uh, knives, Chekhov's saws, Chekhov's uh, lawnmower. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the ending is satisfying too. There's a kind of epilogue sequence that you can just imagine the writers being so happy with when they thought of it. Just how much it makes sense and the way it's this almost meta edge to it. It's always good to end a comedy on arguably the best laugh of the movie. It's mad, it's funny, it's gory, it's satisfying. But the less you know, the better going in. I mean, if you're going to watch this, I highly recommend just search for The Trip on your uh, $10.99 a month Netflix and find it and put it on and watch it and that's all, don't watch the trailer, don't read any more reviews because that way it'll all be a bit more satisfying, I think you'd enjoy it very much. Oh yeah, that, that's, e- that's everything you've said. Is, yeah, it's got a different Norwegian title that translates to something like Bad Times or something like that, it's a little bit of a different title but yeah, crazy, thanks for that recommendation Graham, it's always much appreciated. Definitely sounds like something I would watch as well. So I'm gonna look it out when you said as soon as you said gore, I was like sold. It doesn't take much. Mm. I mean, it's not quite Texas Chainsaw like 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre levels of gore. Not that far off. <laughs> anyway, just got time for one more feature, and it's a case of best to last. You might say because this is last chance, and it's where one of us, you in this time chooses from some films leaving Netflix UK soon. All of these movies have limited time left on the country's biggest streaming service, so we're letting you know which one you should watch or watch first. <laughs> Hot fuzz, which one you want to watch first? <laughs> so, Yoon's choices this time are The Lighthouse from 2019 is leaving on April the 7th. Shazam! Also 2019, that's leaving on April 10th. Pineapple Express from 2008, that's leaving on April the 11th. And Despicable Me from 2010 is leaving on April 16th. It's actually Despicable Me 1 and 2, but I think you said you've only seen the first one, and so we'll just keep it as the first one, just to just for neatness. So this time we've actually, what we've actually done is put out a couple of polls on social media, one on Twitter and one on Instagram. So let's... Well, actually, let's get your choice before we before we do that. Let's let's see what which one you're gonna pick. So I know what I'm what what I'm gonna have to watch. I'm gonna have to watch the lighthouse because I've not seen it yet, and it's only got like just over a week, like a week and a half uh, left on the platform. So I gotta get around to watching that. 
because I haven't seen it yet. But obviously I can't choose The Lighthouse because I've not seen it. Um, my choice has, because I was kind of tossing up between two. Um, I will say this, Despicable Me is like, it holds, it holds a special place in my heart. Um, cause it's, I've got like a, um, an old friend of mine, uh, that was like our film. Uh, so it always holds, holds a special fr- uh, place in my heart because of that, but it is not because, especially because of what minions have now become. Um, so Shazam and Pineapple Express, um, two very good comedies of completely different fields, uh, both with really amazing casts. Um, I am going to pick Pineapple Express because it's just absolutely ridiculous. And I think Pineapple Express is just one of those films where you don't know really what's going to happen. As like when I first watched Pineapple Express, I was a bit like, wait, wait a minute. What, where's this film going? It is not, I knew it was going to be a stoner comedy, but not the kind of comedy it becomes as well. Um, obviously you've got the amazing Seth Rogen in the lead and I believe, he, is he a writer of the film as well? Um, Probably, yeah. I think it's, he definitely, is... it's definitely one of those Judd Apatow, you know, you know, you know all the people involved mm-hmm. and he's the he's the ringmaster right at the top. And it is just so funny. I love um, Pineapple Ex- Express and I really wish they did do Pineapple Express too. But alas, all we get is that little moment from This Is The End of Jonah Hill doing an impression of, um, oh my God, I've forgotten his name, Woody Harrelson with the weed is for the people. It's the people's weed, (laughs) which is all I can think about whenever I think about Woody Harrelson and he doesn't even say those words. Um, For anyone that doesn't know about Pineapple Express, it is a stoner comedy um, about a group of friends get involved and pretty much in a drug cartel by accident after one of them witnesses a killing um, whilst making a little delivery. And it is just balls to the wall, crazy, and a good laugh. Shazam, also good fun. It's a DC movie. It's a superhero movie. You kind of know what to expect with that. Um, but definitely Pineapple Express is the one you got to watch. You've got two weeks to do it, basically. So there's still time. By the time this podcast comes out, um, you'll probably still have about you'll still have about two weeks left to do it to be honest um so yeah pineapple express however did the people of the world agree with me okay so let's do the well, i have to tell you first that on both polls twitter and instagram despicable me did not get a single vote <laughs> so, sorry despicable me there's clearly no uh, kids on our um social media which is probably a good thing Anyway, let's start with Instagram because controversially, the lighthouse it's become it's an even split three ways. Lighthouse thirty three percent, Shazam thirty three percent, Pineapple Express thirty three percent. So, Twitter for the decider. Lighthouse thirteen percent, Shazam twenty five percent, and drumroll, Pineapple Express sixty three percent. So quite the a people big agree. Amount. The people agree on that um, evidence, and you're you're spot on. I have to say that for me, basically by default, I'm Pineapple Express as well because I've not seen any of the other three. But like you, like you said, I am that noticing that the lighthouse is leaving has prompted me to watch it. So I'm gonna watch that either tonight after we record, or at some point this weekend because it's been on my list for a long time. And of course, Robert Eggers has the North Man coming out. 
yes, in a few weeks, which looks right up a... your street. Mm. Yeah. Is, isn't the, and, the Northman uh, an A24 film as well? Yeah. So it's... Um, we've got, we're going to a secret cinema screening on Monday night, and I'm hoping that's what it is. I have my suspicions that it's Morbius, but I really hope it's uh, The Northman. Well, does Secret Cinema good? do films before the release? Yeah, yeah, it's the whole oh, thing. So it could be Morbius. <laughs> oh my God, I can't hope it is, because I know you'll think that film will suck. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but it's, it's, especially with Jared Leto and shit like Oh, that, no. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go see Morbius, because I kind of have to, being the big Marvel boy that I am, but man, I'm not, not a big fan of Jared Leto. I'll update you. It's um yes yeah, uh, uh the Odeon that we frequent on the uh, Monday night, so you could uh, check if there's still tickets or not. Anyway, back to the show. But yeah, that wraps up. I think uh, I think Pineapple Express was the choice that I expected you to pick there. Two thousand and eight, man. Stuff keeps happening that just makes me feel ancient, and that's another one of them. But, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is mad. Uh, Gangnam Style was ten years ago. Just let that sink in. Uh, oh, God. Just want to let you let that sink in that we were the, eighteen years the, old in nightclubs yeah. dancing to Gangnam Style ten years ago. The, the Hunger Games, the original Hunger Games, was also ten years old the other day. There, so wow, I've actually never seen all the Hunger Games either. Can't remember if I have. Definitely, at least seen the first couple, but um, I, all all of those kind of young adult things like Maze Runner and Divergent oh, and all that stuff all came around about the same together. time yeah yeah um anyway good episode I, I you know what I think I think that there have been a couple of early contenders for our best of the year for each of our best of the year lists in this episode probably not the featured review but a couple other things definitely as a cake Oh yeah, that's number one for both of us. It's that that's this year's Mitchell's versus the machines. Oh, last thing I was going to ask you: any predictions for the Oscars, which take place this weekend as we record this? I haven't seen anything that's uh, really involved in the Oscars. I really hope the Mitchell's versus the machines wins for best animated because it's the one thing I have seen. Um, I think just judging by the the talk and in the buzz and social media, um, the power of the dog or whatever it was called is going to be like the big one. I think we'll see uh, Benedict Cumberbatch walk away with his award, and maybe hopefully Jesse Plemons too. Um, I think that I, that's what I'm thinking, but I don't have any other predictions. I've not really seen anything. It's not really a year, uh, an Oscars year. I've been um, I've really been involved in, but. We'll see. We'll see what twenty twenty two brings us uh, after this award season as well. What about yourself? So quick, quick fire predictions. People are probably going to hear this after they've gone out. So laugh away. Best picture. My prediction is Power of the Dog. Best director Kenneth Branagh. Actor Will Smith. Um, actress. I am gonna. Oh, that's actually tough. That's a tougher one than I thought. I've not seen so many of those. I'm just going to say Olivia Coleman because I want it so badly to be Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. And let's just pick something else out. Best adapted screenplay, I think Coda will win because it's had such um, it's kind of buzz in the last few weeks. Coda yeah. really has, everyone's been talking about it type thing. Oh, you'd yeah. like that. You should watch that. It's on Apple TV. It's uh, You'd have to have a heart. Some people have really taken against it. I think it's, I think it's, you'd have to have a heart of stone not to enjoy Coda. I'll look it I've heard about it. I don't know if I still have my Apple TV subscription because I think I'm just going to wait until really? the next. Yeah, I mean, 
after I was just done gonna get with it back for Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is all <laughs> I need. Have did you finish Ted? I know this is a Netflix podcast, but did you finish Ted Lasso? No, I've been too busy with the oh. wire and Netflix stuff and all that. You know what is funny though? There's a guy that's just come into the and in, an American coach has just taken over at Leeds United in the English Premier League, and he got asked about Ted Lasso in the <laughs> in like his first press conference. And he, I can't remember what, it, what what the question was exactly or something. He was like, somebody asked him, do you think like a show like Ted Lasso has helped the perception of like American coaches come thing? And he was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, love it. There you go. So that is just about closing time on another episode. You know, closing time. <laughs> you know, na, na, na. What's the word? Anyway, uh, l- l- thanks so much to all of you for joining us. It's been a blast once again. Remember to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, and YouTube, where there might finally be some more content going up again from this episode. Give us a good review. Tell your friends, or don't if you don't. Um, if you don't want to do that you just want to listen that's cool too we'll be back with another featured review and plenty more Netflix chat before long until then stay safe happy binge watching and we'll see you guys soon see you guys and that's just the icing on the cake isn't it